Studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Fox Sports Spartanburg presents Start Your Engines. Here is your race team for today. Show producer Ronnie Black, author and veteran motorsports journalist Deb Williams, local action from winning car builder and owner Alan Hill, former NASCAR team manager and author Greg Moore. And here is your host for Start Your Engines, racing historian and author Perry Allen Wood. And good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg on a beautiful Saturday morning. And uh, good morning, Greg. It is a good morning. We had, a, I think, the hurricane. Uh, it looked like Darlington was going to really be in trouble, but we got Bill France weather, and they're going to be able to get it in. Oh, they shouldn't have any trouble whatsoever getting it in. No. Timing was pretty good on that, but uh, uh, Ronnie's not with us this morning. He's a little under the weather. He probably had a late night of Burns football or something last night. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll give him a day off every now and then. He deserves it. I got a mulligan last week. <laughs> That's you right. Know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, sometimes, you know, you get tied up with too much paperwork with uh, all kind of insurance companies and everything else. and We're all in the same boat. Yeah, Ronnie will be back with us, I'm sure, next week. Well, and next week will be on Sunday. And That's right. I would imagine you might take the day off next Sunday. But uh, you don't have to. you you got a whole week to decide. In fact, you got eight days to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. But we're going, up to the, we're going up to the Moonshine Festival in Mount Airy, Greg and I are. Had this planned for quite a while. And um, Bill Blair, who's one of the organizers, Bill Blair, Jr., his father was a great race driver back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Uh, Bill Blair Jr. is one of the main organizers of the Moonshine Festival up at Mount Airy. And uh, we're going to have him on at 11 o'clock to talk about his father and his career. And uh, he's just uh, he's got a lot of information. He's been around a while for himself. And he's a, a historian in his own right. So... Uh, should be an interesting conversation, and I'm looking forward to going up to the Moonshine Festival. It even sounds good. Oh yeah, Perry, that that, that thing, that thing's always fun. You know, sometimes we've had to skip times, and we had different things going on, but uh, that is really a first-class deal, and it's got a lot of people behind it. Uh, like I say, Bill Blair Jr. He he's he's fantastic. Well, organizing. If you remember last year. There was a 100% chance of rain 100%. In, in Mount Airy. I mean, it was no way it was not going to rain. So Greg and I didn't go right? and caught a bunch of flack for it because it didn't rain in Mount Airy. Uh, it did everything but rain. So uh, we're uh, not going to depend on the weather, man. I don't care if it says it's going to snow or not. We're, uh, we'll be up there next Friday, and uh, the event is on Saturday and Sunday. We'll do uh, Start Your Engines at 10 o'clock. That's a good deal. And we may have a few more of those coming up. I can't predict when because um, it depends on the three-hour pregame show for the Gamecocks. Now, their first three games are late, 
so it doesn't affect us. But, I mean, the fourth game, and I don't even know who it is, but whoever it is, if, if the Gamecocks are winning, hopefully they'll, uh, they will be, for me anyway, uh, you know, we could have a, uh, another late start, or they could, if they play at 12, we'll have to go to Sunday again because they'll have the pregame show starting like at 11, or at a 9 o'clock in the morning or something. So we'll just roll with the punches. At Start Your Engines, we have always been able to change directions on the fly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Doesn't it. bother us a bit, does it? It really don't. I mean, that's just the way you do it. I mean, uh, you know, we got a, a radio show that's fantastic, I still say, and a lot of people say we're the best small radio show on NASCAR and racing uh, that's around in the upstate. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I'm proud to be part of it. I know Perry is too. And, you know, we've got a lot of depth. We've got Deb Williams, man, about the smartest woman journalist that ever lived. And, and the smartest. The smartest, yeah. They no doubt about it. Hall of Famer. Hall of uh, Famer. Yeah. You know, before we were, uh, when we were sitting out there in the lobby, I said, well, let me, I don't know any football scores. I don't know how Spartan High did. I don't know how Dorman burned. I don't know how anybody did last night. So I. I guess I should have pulled up uh, the um, this radio station's website, but I didn't. I went to WSPA, and I'd be dadgum if I didn't get the headline that Jimmy Buffett passed away yesterday, and I didn't have any idea about that. And if I knew how to program program music like uh, you know Tyler and some you know probably everybody else does, we could play some Buffett this morning. But I can't. But good grief, I had no idea. He's seventy six years old. And said he passed away uh, peacefully, surrounded by his friends, his family, and his dogs. So, uh, you know, I think I probably saw Jimmy Buffett more than anybody else. Uh, I, I believe I saw him. I know I saw him four times, and it might have been more than that. But he was a he was a heck of an entertainer. When I was living in Miami, you know, I'd go down to uh, Key West all the time. Yeah, uh, right, and, my, and my job with uh, the Florida Department of State, and um, and he had a big restaurant down there. Now we're talking back in the late nineties, and I uh, assume it's still there. But it was called Margaritaville, and it was you know occasionally yeah. Jimmy would show up in there. I never saw him in there, but occasionally he would show up in there, you know, and just give an impromptu concert. But uh, ah man, I that. Really surprised me. I had no idea. I mean, that's a, that's a heavyweight right there passing away. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. I I remember uh, we went on some cruises. Uh, I think the one in particular was was the David Pearson cruise and Bud and all the racers and stuff. My daddy was on it. And Berta, my brother and his wife. And I do remember seeing him once. I didn't get to shake his hand. But I did get to see. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of hard to believe. I mean. It, that's a synonymous with the... Well, I didn't realize he was so old. I, I didn't need I mean, if not that much older than me. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, he's, had a, he's had a heck of a life, you know, and um, we'll be finding out more about it as we go along. So, uh, uh, you know, in, in the, the days to come, I'm sure there'll be all kinds of uh, tributes to him and hear oh. a lot of his music. But he had, a, he had a bunch of songs that never get played on the radio. I mean, I've got an album of his someplace, a vinyl album from back in the 70s. Made uh, of wax. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he, he had one song that was great. 
Uh, well, it still is great. I probably haven't heard it since the 70s or 80s. Called a great filling station holdup about a guy holding up a, a gas station, and it's funny, and it's a uh, it, it's a it's a great song. It's a good song. I haven't heard it in so long. I may have to. I'm sure you can get it right away if you pull it up on uh, YouTube or on the you know on your phone here or something. But anyway, Jimmy Buffett passing away. I got a. I know I went to see him. I went to see him twice in Columbia at Carolina Coliseum, and. When I was in the Secret Service, um, this would have been 1984 during the, the presidential primaries. I was started out with Gary Hart. You remember Gary Hart? Oh yeah. Well, he you know he was a kind of a a hipster. I mean you know he'd go to we'd go to concerts all the time with him, and we went to one and I remember it was an, at an outdoor amphitheater in Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, I was backstage. And Gary Hart was out there sitting on the front row, and Jimmy Buffett was performing, and I had his playlist so I could see what songs were coming up next. And, you know, looking at it from instead of the front row or the back row of the, grand, of the, of the auditorium or grandstand or whatever, I was, I was backstage behind the curtain, and it was pretty cool. And I, I, did that, I got to do that a couple of times, but I specifically remember Jimmy Buffett, and that was a hot summer afternoon in 1984. And... Never forget it. Love Jimmy Buffett. Sorry he's no gone. Doubt about it. I mean, he, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we talk about Gary Hart and everything. I Gary. think I think he I think Gary Hart would have made a good president. No doubt about it. I mean, I wish like, he was running now. <laughs> yeah, we need somebody. In fact, he's he's not know. dead. He might be old enough uh, to uh, he might can still help us out because we got some we got some pretty old candidates out there going to battle it out this year unless somebody comes forward. But we don't do politics. But yeah, Gary Hart, you know, he was he was something else and you know, he got tangled up with Donna Rice. Oh yeah. Who was a Carolina cheerleader. And he told the press, you know, uh he had a Gary Hart had a wife named Lee and she was real pretty too, but Gary was uh he did a few things on the sly that probably uh uh I won't talk about right now, but he dared the press to catch him because they would, they would confront him about, you know, his possible infidelities. And, uh, and I got a bunch of stories about that. Maybe no, someday I'll tell one. On his boat. He had, he well, was. and he was he's from Colorado, senator from Colorado, and uh, he dared the press to catch him. He said, well, if you think I'm doing something, catch me if you can. Well, they did. They <laughs> caught him red-handed. Now, this, wasn't during, this was after he lost the nomination to uh, Walter Mondale in 84, which was, I mean, Mondale, I carried, Mondale only carried one more state than I did on election night. He got swamped. He got clobbered by Ronald Reagan. But anyway, um, Gary Hart almost won the nomination that year for the Democratic Party in San Francisco. And uh, he um, he was, uh, it was the next year in in 85 when he got caught with Donna Rice and uh, you remember the boat they got caught on? Oh, yeah. The monkey business. Yeah, the monkey business. That, <laughs> Out I mean, in the, the Bermuda or the Bahamas or somewhere. I mean, they might as well put up a Barnum and Bailey sign or something. Uh, say, come he, come check me out. Come he wasn't me. that hard to catch. No. Well, well I, I'm not, you, I didn't really got tangled up with, with Tina, I mean, uh, Tina Rice. I mean. Donna Rice. Donna Rice. If I'm not mistaken, she's the one that got Jim Carlin fired from... Uh, 
from coaching at South Carolina. Or I, there was some connection there. She was a cheerleader at South Carolina at one time. But let's speaking of which, we got full fledged football tonight. Unless you want to watch it on ESPN at my house, and then, then you're out of luck <laughs> because ESPN pulled the plug on the Spectrum as I was sitting down to watch uh, Florida play Thursday night. A contract dispute. Yeah, it flashed on for about five <laughs> seconds, and I said, okay, here we go, and boom, it was gone. And with a blank screen, and then about 15 minutes later, of course, it came up with uh, about the contract dispute and how uh, Spectrum was the good guy, and Disney was the bad guy. And, you know, the game tonight is on ABC, which is owned by Disney, just like ESPN. So I hope to goodness, you know, they don't do something uh, with the Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina game tonight. However, if they do, I guess I'll either go up to Hickory Tavern and watch it or uh, Applebee's or someplace or uh, listen to it right here on WSPG. So, uh, you can we'll, always catch it here. You always and, I, catch and I forget that lots of times. Well, all the games are on this year because we don't have PC football or, or anything else in the way. So, uh, yeah, all the South Carolina games are on this station right here. And uh, I think we even have our own tailgate show tonight or something. I'm not sure about that, but I believe that's at like about 430 or something with Tyler and some of the boys. Oh, yeah. So, uh but, yep, football's in full swing. But, you know, we got a racing show here, and uh, we ought to talk a little bit about racing. Uh, Greg, uh, did you watch Daytona last week? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Of course. The, There's a lot of things that was just incredible. Well, well, the most incredible thing was that crash uh, late in the race when Ryan Priest got tangled up with his own teammate, yep. um, Briscoe, and uh, took a wild ride down the backstretch. When that car lifted... Uh, it was uh, it was all over because when it hits the ground, it snap rolls and goes the other way. It's like lifting up one way, but when it comes to the ground, it just takes off and digs into that dirt. Probably might have been better if he just stayed on the asphalt because that when you start flipping in that dirt, it just chews the car up. There's something about the, you know getting over in the grass and dirt versus staying on the pavement. Yeah, and uh, you know Daytona's always been one of the leaders. And, and, and watching bad wrecks. Well, you got to get going fast. fast enough, and it was very reminiscent of your car with Ricky Rudd back in nineteen. What was that? Eighty four. Yeah. Speaking of nineteen eighty four, I think that's when it was when Rudd uh, got tangled up with uh, Jody Ridley. Jody Ridley, right there, coming off turn four. Right there, and, the and did a very similar crash in the uh, similar. in the uh, Wrangler Thunderbird. Yep, and. Uh, yeah, Ricky, Ricky was able to pull off that deal. And uh, I remember Richard Petty was doing the, some of the commentating. Yeah. And Richard had been through uh, a lot of wild rides. And he said, well, he said, he come over the tunnel turn. He said, now, Ridley might have touched him. He did. And, and uh, but like Richard said, when you go across the tunnel turn back in those days, like Richard said, it kind of depends where you land. Yeah, it was a dip, right? Yeah, it's a dip, you know, and, and uh, it, it just works like a kind of a ramp. And but what luckily was that uh, helped Ricky out so bad, so much was he didn't get into the concrete wall, but he did. It was close. It was so close, and I and that was that inside concrete wall too. Before they paved right up mm-hmm. to it, it was grass, and a lot of people would take off 
and hit that wall. Uh, and it came out. Daryl Waltrip hit it real hard one time and slid oh. back out in the middle of the track. So uh, yeah, that was a nasty, uh, nasty flip. But, Greg, let me ask you this, and I'm going to run over 20 minutes a little bit. We usually take a break right now, but we can't. Deb usually comes on at 10.30, uh, 10.20, but she said she can't come on until 10.30. So she's of a press obligation. She's, of course, down in Darlington, so we'll talk a little bit longer here. If you notice, when that car last week lifted up, the bottom of it is smooth. It's like an Indy car or a, or one of these IMSA hyper cars, you know, whereas, you know, the, the other cars, the old cars, you know, they, you can see the drive shaft and the suspension and the axle and, and all that stuff and the steering and, and look up into the engine compartment. But this, this car they've got now, this next-gen car, is smooth. And I think, I'm not an engineer, but I believe they need to do something to open up some holes in there so when it, it, it won't just take off like a kite. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of, that the bottom of the car is smooth. Yeah, well, you know, the smooth bottom deal... Uh, that works is good for aerodynamics and a little too good and yeah and the thing is uh you know the downforce issues that are involved with it uh it's kind of like the roof flaps and a lot of of an evolution of things went in and Barry, i have to agree with you well you know when that car was flipping it even opened up that not just the roof flaps to keep it on the ground, but that the escape hatch was opening. While that car was flipping and twisting in the air, you could look right into the cockpit and see the dash lights. I mean, that was... Uh, That's unreal. It was unreal. And the, um, I, I, you know, the flaps that they have on top of the car, that's fine, and they work. Because a lot of times you've seen a, a car get up in the air and, uh, and those flaps open up and it settles it right back down. But they got to come up with something. I think on the bottom of the car, it's just there's no place for the air to go, and it's just like a it's just like a wing. I mean, it's just too smooth. There's no openings. They got to come up with something that when the car gets up in the air, like that one did, like sideways at an angle, something else opens up to let the air flow through the car a little bit to settle it back down. Because uh, I think what they could do, they could take those type ducts <coughs> that they, we used to use in the rear windows. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's really, uh, physics-wise, it's pretty simple. But they could possibly put some of those at the bottom of the car. Think about that. Yeah. And the car gets turned, and uh, the I don't know what we used to call those things, but uh, we used to use a lot of them. But I think they use some on the bottom to help that situation without taking away the advantage that you've got of containment of drive shafts and stuff well, like that. Well, just something so that uh, it's still smooth down there until the car lifts off. Yeah. Until it gets up, until there's so much, because there's got to be a lot of pressure. What's that car weighs like, 3,300 pounds, 3,500, whatever it is? I think they said 3,300 on the telecast yeah. last week. 33. I mean, and it was flipping like a toy, you know, at 200 miles an hour. That's probably the fastest part of the track where that wreck happened, you know, right at the end of the backstretch. And uh, they don't average 200 anymore, but they're probably doing, in that big pack drafting like that, I guarantee you they were doing 200. And they just need something to, to let the air escape from underneath the car when it gets in the air, when it's in in flight. Otherwise, right. uh, otherwise, it's okay like it is. But you can bet one thing. But that car is at the R&D Center in 
Concord, North Carolina, and they're trying to figure it out. Uh, you, you don't have to even imagine uh, anything different. Uh, they're they're well, working on the problem right now. They're, we still they're got, no, uh, now, still got to go to Talladega. Yeah. And uh, But NASCAR, they stay on top of things. And sometimes they, they literally, you know, they get criticized lots of times about say, well, they do something after the fact. Reactive instead of proactive. Yeah. That's been their... That's been said about them since the, the Hans device when we lost uh, Earnhardt and Adam yeah. Petty and uh, Kenny Irwin and, uh, you know, a lot of them that might have lived with the Hans if they'd had a Hans device and the soft walls. but uh, And that was all reactive. Yeah. But, you know, they, they've done a lot. Well, and, and, you know, another thing that happened this week was Bert was um, Kurt Bush retired. And he's retiring directly because he had a very innocent-looking crash at Pocono last year where he backed into the wall, and they figured that the backs of those cars were too rigid, and it was just too much of a jolt, and he's, he's never run another lap since that, and now he's not going to run anymore, and it's all because of the car. So what they've done is they some of those braces in the back of the car, they, they'll break, they'll snap off when it hits something backwards and sort of... And, and, sort of like a crush zone and and not transfer so much of the energy of the crash uh to the driver that's right well you know years ago uh we we done it with the the, the legendary banjo chassis uh and uh, all the major car builders mclaughlin uh ronnie hopkins all these people we what we tended to do you know, the car is supposed to have 90,000 90, wall thickness, mild steel. You know, we done been all over the map with that. And, uh, we know that mild steel and everything works the best, but we would put 40,000 toward the front and 40,000 at the rear, but we wouldn't compromise the main hoop or the driver's side. You're talking about the roll bar. Yeah, the roll bar. Yeah. So it was kind of a structural deal. And... That helped a bunch, and I can see what I did with Bush. Uh, it didn't give enough, and when it don't give enough, it's bad on the driver. Yeah, real bad. I mean, it, 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 even if he's restrained, think of the concussion factor that's involved in it. Yeah, you know, and, and you see so many of that that stuff uh, from football players, to race drivers, uh, concussions or something. That you can deal with, you can still race with them. You, even a heavyweight fight, I mean, uh, but enough of them takes their toll. Yeah, and it was uh, something that needed to be addressed. And NASCAR, as I said, they—I mean, it, it's hard to until something happened. It's hard to react to it. Like yeah. Bobby Allison almost going in the grandstand that year at Talladega. That you know, that's when they well, first thing they did there was put the restrictor plates came back and slowed the cars down. That you know, instead of figuring out something to do on the car itself uh, aerodynamically, they just slowed them down. Yeah. But then they, you know, <laughs> the mechanics, and you ought to know this because you were right in the middle oh, of it, I... are so good that they they overcame the restrictor plate, and even even though they had them, they got right back up there around two hundred miles an hour, and they started taking off again. That's so, right. They finally had to come up with those roof flaps and everything. So, 
it's a, it's an ongoing battle, uh, but uh, Ryan Priest is lucky. Uh, he spent the night in the hospital, got a little beat up. I don't think, uh, you reckon Tony Stewart's going to have to tape his eyelids open? <laughs> like your daddy did with well, Mickey Rudd? Well, if, if it works, that's good. Well, you know, they would never let no. They would never do that these days, but we don't Rick, know that story. And we've, Ricky's eyes look so bad, Ricky Rudd's eyes after that crash. We all that flipping around and, you know, it, it throws the blood to your head. Yeah, he and looked like a zombie or something. And after a crash, and I, we didn't know, and Daddy said, get down there and let's see, see, see what's, what's, what's wrong with Ricky. And Ricky's sitting up. He said, man, I've moved. Do this, do that, but Ricky Rudd also realized he wanted to drive that race car. He, he didn't want somebody else to come in it. That was his ride. And by George, the son of a gun, run seventh in the hundred twenty-five miler with the Rockingham car, and then run seventh in the five hundred, and won the next week at Richmond, and won the next. Uh, uh, Greg, we had uh, we we've used up our extra ten minutes here, so let's take a break. I get Deb on the phone now because she said call her ten thirty. And we'll uh, we'll find out what's going on at Darlington and get her reaction because she was in Daytona last week as well. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Start Your Engines will be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. The attorneys at Carolina Law Group are your local injury attorneys. They will always fight for you and aren't scared of the big insurance companies. The best part about Carolina Law Group is that they are local, located here in Spartanburg. And when you call Carolina Law Group, you will always speak with an attorney like Nahar Patel, who was recently voted as best injury attorney in the upstate, or attorneys Matthew Whitehead and Mitchell Bird, who were finalists for best trial attorney. The Carolina Law Group is aggressive and loyal and will fight for you. Call today, 864-757-5555, or visit thecarolinalawgroup.com. You already know Palmetto Spirits is the place to go for wine, fine bourbons, and home bar essentials. But Palmetto Spirits is also the perfect place to pick up your favorite local craft brews like R.J. Rockers, crowd-pleasing Budweiser brands, and world-famous imports like Stella Artois, Modelo, and Corona. Whether you're in search of the ideal wine pairing or the ideal gift, Jim and the staff at Palmetto Spirits will get it in your hands. Palmetto Spirits, located at the corner of Reedville and Anderson Mill Roads. Spartanburg, when you're looking for the home of the best sports coverage around, we're talking about greatest ever spectacular talent. Good news, you're already there. It's us, Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM. We're your home for the Spartanburg Vikings, the Atlanta Braves, the South Carolina Gamecocks, and Duke basketball. Plus, your most trusted source for the best high school coverage around. This is Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM. Make Phillips and Long Fuel Chesney your source for propane in Spartanburg County. They offer propane for hot water heaters, cooking, and heat. They can fill your growth tank and get you ready for grilling season. Not only do they sell propane, but they sell a large variety of propane accessories such as grill tanks and other appliances that run on propane. If your propane tank is running low, call and we'll have it filled within one business day. Call them at 864-461-8511. That's Phillips and Long Fuel, located at 421 South Alabama Avenue in Chesney. 
Find an old 35mm film camera? Are you using one now? Do you want to? Where do you go to get your film developed? Spartan Photo Center, the last full-service camera store in South Carolina. They have all sorts of new and used cameras, digital and film. Remember film? They develop 35mm and 120-size color negative film three times a week. Black and white every couple of weeks. Get your film developed, scanned, printed, or cloud delivered to you by Google Drive or Dropbox. Need film? They've got film. 35mm color and black and white. Spartan Photo Center, 108 Garner Road, just off North Pine Street, across from the Food Lion. Image Printing is the only shop in the upstate that prints signage, decals, banners, t-shirts, wide format printing, full color paper printing, and offers graphic design services all in-house. And now Image Printing is offering custom t-shirts with no minimum quantity. That's right. Image Printing now offers direct-to-garment printing, which means you can get your design printed on a t-shirt whether you want one or 1,000. Visit Image Printing at 845 California Ave across the street from the Spartanburg County Detention Center. Call 864-583-8848. is trackside and ready to go. What's going on at this week's big race? Now let's go live to death. Good morning, Deb. Are you able to talk to us? Or are you still booking your flight? Well, we're still booking a flight for Phoenix, but um, I think I can get you just a little bit before we uh, head out to Ryan Priest's press conference at 11 o'clock behind his transporter. Okay, well, I won't keep you but about 15 minutes. But uh, Well, I was going to say, we, they just had a press conference announcing Josh Harris is the new president of Darlington Raceway. Well, I couldn't get that dadgum Kerry uh, Tharp to break it on the show last week. I tried to get him because he was our guest last week, and uh, we asked him, uh, Ronnie did, who the, his replacement was going to be, and he said they were going to announce it later, but I didn't know it was going to be this quick, so... Uh, now, what do we know about him? I'm not familiar with him. Um, well, he's coming in from Daytona. He's been with the company for quite some time. And um, so he's not a stranger to NASCAR. But uh, he and his family will be moving to this area. So uh, it should be quite interesting when he takes over and what he has plans for the facility. Well, I told Kerry last week, I said, whoever the new guy is, make sure he... He takes care of uh, the start your engine guys when we probably want to come down there next spring, assuming we do the show. And uh, and uh, Darlington's, you know, it's like our home track, so we, we need to have a good connection. What's the gentleman's name again? Josh Harris? Josh Harris, okay. H-A-R-R-I-S. Okay. And this Josh is Harris. not this this is not the Josh Harris that's the co-owner of the. Uh, commanders, the Washington Commanders. This is a different Josh Harris. So oh. that was one thing that he pointed out in, at this press conference. I couldn't have told you who the president or the owner of the Commanders was if, if my life depended on it. But anyway, the uh, pretty exciting last week. Uh, you said you got a press conference coming up with uh, Ryan Priest. I guess uh, even though Chris Boucher proved that he's He's probably he's got to be the hottest guy on the circuit, one in three of the last five races. But uh, that that crash uh, with Priest there with his teammate Briscoe uh, towards the end of the race that was uh, that was the attention getter. In fact, that was on the CBS Evening News Monday night. Well, it was also on Good Morning America on Monday morning. But um, 
you know, I think that, yes, that was a terrible crash. And Ryan Pree, I mean, um, he went under, he underwent two evaluations in order to make sure that um, he was fine to drive. He didn't even suffer a concussion. But I think because that was crash was so spectacular that people are overlooking the hard crash that Ryan Blaney had. And, uh, that was a you know, hard Ryan Blaney crash. said... He said he was very fortunate that that was a safer barrier and that uh, he was glad that was there and that also he was glad that NASCAR had made the modifications to um, uh, to the front end to make it more collapsible. Yeah. So those were definitely two crashes that were real critical and really showed how NASCAR has made its safety advances. And you could see that soft wall, how much it gave. I mean, it, it, it buckled in, you know, probably a foot, foot and a half. It was, uh, it really did the job and tore that car up. That was a tough, hard hit that I'd almost forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that you have to keep in mind. That, uh, even, you know, a lot of people, when those cars are flipping and all, yes, they were spectacular, and yes, there were some issues there when the roof hatch came off and the part of the window net failed but when a car is flipping like that and the parts of the car are flying off of it that's actually taking energy away from the driver so that's actually helpful to the driver more so than when you hit the wall and just come to a instant stop because that transfers all of the energy to the driver's body and I know years ago, in one of the qualifying races back in the 1980s, Bobby Wallach hit a wall. I believe it was the fourth turn wall head on in one of the qualifying races. And he stopped so suddenly that it detached the retina in both of his eyes. Mm. And that ended to um, his driving career. Yeah. So. And, and we were just talking about uh, Greg sitting here with us. And, of course, it it. He had a similar wreck. Of course, anytime you get airborne, I guess you could call it similar, although the the aerobatics of it was, looked a little different. Ricky Rudd's crash uh, coming off the fourth turn in the Bush clash that year in, in Bud Moore's car, that was, uh, that's the one where they had to tape Ricky's eyes open you know, to, to run the qualifying race, which they would never do today. No, that's true, and that was actually the 1984 Bush clash when right. that happened with Ricky. And... Um, he had gotten turned and all the gyrations and all. And, you know, when you're gyrating like that in a car, the blood and all wants to go to the weakest part yep. of the body. And so that's why they always have black eyes and everything when um, that happens and, and comes out. But, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we're supposed to meet Ryan Priest behind the transporter at uh, 11 o'clock. Okay, well, let's get our, um, let's get our points out of the way. So, uh, so we can let you go, and you can be there on time. The new point standings after and Greg Deb wouldn't give me any points for picking a winner for you last night. I thought, I mean, last week. I think that should have been worth a point or something for me, don't you? Well, I, I, I <laughs> agree with you, Perry. Uh, but now I, I was, uh, you know, going with the guy. And uh, well, I picked Harvick for yeah. you because you you picked him the week before, yeah. and I think he is going to win a race. So let me go over this real quick. Deb is still the leader with 44 points. Ronnie snuck up closer to her again. He's got 41. 
I've got 33, Lanny's got 31, and you've got 13. So you're you're doing better than you used to oh, do, Greg. Don't don't say 13. No. Uh, uh, well, uh, okay, Ronnie has already picked. He's not here today, Deb, and he wanted uh, he wanted Truex again, so I, I let him have it. You uh, go ahead and pick, Deb. I'll let you go next. You're the points leader. Okay, okay thank you. I want William Byron. William Byron, Greg, who do you like? Uh, let me think. Well, be quick about it. Lanny, you can text me yours in. While you're thinking, I'm going to take uh, Chase Elliott. Can I stay with Harvey? You can stay with Harvey. Let me, I'll stay with Harvey. Okay. You got him. So, uh, all right, Deb, what else? Uh, we'll let you go here so you can get to your press conference. But what else? Uh, anything else you want to add uh, about, uh, I know Kurt Bush retired this week. Uh, yes, that was, um, actually from cup racing now. You gotta keep that in mind. He said he was retiring from cup racing. So, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see him come back, if, if he ever can, and drive a late model or maybe in the SRX series. So, yeah. yes, he did announce his official retirement from the, the cup series. So, um, I was trying to think. It seems like we've had some other things this weekend. The main thing has uh, oh, we had playoff media day on Thursday. All right. And I thought it was interesting that we have a record ten teams represented in the Cup playoffs this year, and half of the drivers come from teams that have two cars or one car teams. Okay. None of the superpower teams that have three or more cars got all of their people into the uh, the playoffs this year. So I read a story on that, and you can read that at autoweek.com. Okay, that's great. That's uh, great. I know, uh, I know one of those uh, teams, uh, Michael McDowell, I'm really interested to see how far he can go since he won at, too, at Indianapolis on the road course and uh, be a uh, – be starting today, and then the Xfinity, uh, I mean, starting tomorrow for the, the playoffs for Cup, and Xfinity still got two more races to go, and, of course, we're we're pulling real hard for Jeremy Clements and his, uh, I think he's sponsored by Booze Pops this week down at, day, at Darlington, and uh, he runs good there, and then they've got Kansas, and then their playoffs will be set. Yes, and then uh, at Kansas, uh, the trucks, I believe, will be a cutoff race for them, too, so... And then comes Bristol. So Bristol is going to be quite hectic because Bristol's a cutoff race for the Cup Series as well. Yeah. Well, and it won't be dirt this time. It'll be uh, under the lights, I guess, uh, on the on the concrete. Right, and it's a Saturday night race. Yeah. We have the trucks on Thursday night, Xfinity on Friday night, and Cup on Saturday night. I'll let you go, Deb, but I'm going to ask you one question because I didn't know this till I was already in the studio and out in the lobby this morning that Jimmy Buffett passed away. Did you know that? Yes, that was about, uh, I got a news alert at four, about 5 a.m. this morning on that. Wow. I still kind of. That's hard to believe. But, yep. I mean, he's 76 years old, so he was, you know, I, I just didn't. It just took me by surprise. If, uh, oh, it took me, me by surprise. Yeah. You know, he hadn't been sick or anything yeah. to our knowledge, or if he had, he kept it private. What but, I read uh, uh, this morning was I was that, surprised. Uh, I read this morning, just trying to read up on it real quickly, that uh, he hadn't had a concert since May. He'd canceled uh, his his uh, schedule 
And uh, so something was going on because May was, what, uh, three months ago, three or four months mm-hmm. ago. So um, mm-hmm. he must have known something. Well, Deb, we'll let you go so you can, I'm sure he did. You can make it okay. to your... Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I need to walk to the garage area. All right. Thank you so much, Deb. Okay. We'll talk Thank to you, you next week. Have a good day. Thank you, Deb. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Who is she, Greg? Smartest woman in all of race. <laughs> I mean... And I'm the smartest one I know. I tell you what, let's take a break and come back and do about 15 minutes until the top of the hour when we talk to Bill Blair, Jr. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Alex, I see you got a new car. Yeah, man, it's sweet. Room for Titus and all his stuff, but it's missing something. Like what? Well, you know how Titus likes Tupac. Naturally. Well, the new car doesn't have the bass like my old car did. You need to take it to Elite Audio. They can add bass to a factory system. Seriously? Yeah, while you're there, let them add a remote start so the car is warm when you and Titus get in in the morning. I also saw they can add LED headlights, which you should look at, Clary, because you can't see anything. Elite Audio on Asheville Highway. Check out all they can do at EliteAudioOnline.com plus their Facebook page. Apparently, you can't hear either. What? Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right. Call local State Farm agent Cliff Gobert at 597-1200. Visit our website at SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM, WSPG Spartanburg. Business owners, have product or material you need moved, shipped, stored? Upstate Logistics in Spartanburg has the expertise in transportation and warehousing you're looking for in Spartanburg County and beyond. For over a decade, Upstate Logistics has provided businesses with storage and logistics services, including inbound and outbound rail shipments. Upstate Logistics, proud to be a part of our community, serving Spartanburg County and beyond since 2005. Upstate Logistics, keeping your business and inventory moving forward. To find out more, visit UpstateLogistics.com. That's UpstateLogistics.com. Spartan Waste is putting trash in its place in Spartanburg County. Spartan Waste is your locally owned trash collection company, keeping your community clean. Do your part by visiting Spartan-Waste.com to make sure your trash is picked up on time, every time. And when we say Spartan Waste is locally owned, we mean the owners, Mark Nelson and Mark Mullen, are on the job every day, keeping the Spartanburg community, where they work and live, clean for their families and yours. Keep it clean with Spartan Waste. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. Finding something delicious to match my mood can be a challenge, but McDonald's kills it every single time. Like when I need something with a little oomph, that's when I reach for a classic and melty McDouble. When I want something with a little mmm, that's when I go for a crispy and juicy McChicken. And with Mix and Match, I can get two faves for just $3.49, like a McDouble with a McChicken or small fries. And now, my mood calls for a little oomph and mmm. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price.
back to start your engines. And uh, Greg has stepped out for a minute. So we'll take this next uh, 10 or 11 minutes to uh, just go over some of the results from last week. And let's go straight to Cup, where uh, we've already discussed it a little bit. But they ran the Coke Zero Sugar two, um, 400 at Daytona last week. And as I said a few minutes ago, I guess the hottest driver in NASCAR, it would be hard to argue that he's not. And that's Chris Boucher, who won for the third time in um, the last five races. And that's in the RFK, the Roush Fenway Keselowski racing team. And uh, it, it was a demolition derby. He uh, only led two laps, but he led the two most important ones there during the green-white checker finish. And it was uh, his teammate and car owner, Brad Keselowski, who finished second. Brad has been having good finishes as well, but just hasn't quite broken into the winner's circle since he, uh, since he started this new team. And, of course, Jack Roush, the cat in the hat, uh, is... Uh, I guess is also, well, he's one of the owners, and as far as I'm concerned, probably uh, the brains behind it. But, you know, I need to talk to Jack. We haven't had him on the show, and I'm, I'm going to see if Greg can't line him up for us because I don't know how often he still goes to the track. Uh, he's getting on up there, and he's kind of beat up, you know. He's, he lost an eye in a plane crash, and he's had a couple of plane crashes. So Jack uh, Jack's a great guy, and we haven't had him on in a while. Third was uh, Eric Almarola in, another, in a Stuart Haas car, the surviving one, I guess you could say, since Ryan Priest and Briscoe uh, were, Chase Briscoe were taken out in the, the big crash. And so he, uh, he was uh, third. He started second and was up, up there all day, Eric Almarola. Fourth was Chase Elliott, who did not win and did not make the playoffs, which... Uh, it remains to be seen if that will uh, translate into fewer people watching the playoffs. I, I don't know. It won't stop me from watching it, and I, I don't know how many real race fans would would ignore the playoffs uh, just because Chase Elliott's not in it. But it's the first time he's ever missed it, and with uh, his snowboarding accident accounting for missing several weeks and then uh, stuffing Denny Hamlin in the wall during the 600 cost him another week he uh he missed some opportunities to win races or or bring home some points and he didn't make it but he finished fourth last week in uh, in the rick hendrick chevy fifth is joy Logano was joy logano Sixth is alex bowman who also didn't make it so there's two uh rick hendrick cars that that failed to make the playoffs Alex Bowman usually wins uh, a couple of times each year, but he, he hadn't won yet this year. And, of course, he missed a couple of weeks, uh, three or four. I don't know exactly how many from a back injury he received in a sprint car race and uh, or practice. So uh, Alex Bowman, uh, Chase Elliott's extracurricular activities sort of cost Henry, I think it's safe to say, a couple of playoff spots because uh, they're normally in there. Seventh was Kyle Busch. Eighth was uh, William Byron. Ninth was Kevin Harvick. And tenth was Corey LaJoy. They, as I said, were quite a few crashes. Uh, some some pretty nasty ones uh, taking out a lot of cars, damaging a lot of others. Bubba Wallace finished twelfth, and he um, 
he did make the playoffs. He squeaked in there, so congratulations to Bubba. And looking on down the line, Daniel Suarez did not make the playoffs. He finished 20th. And um, Chase Briscoe was 30th. Ryan Priest was 31st. And lucky to, lucky to not do some sheet time after that. Uh, Ryan Blaney was 36th, as Deb brought out. He had a tremendous crash head-on into the wall coming off the fourth turn right there on the straightaway. And, I, and as I said, that... That soft wall, I mean, it showed how soft it can be when hit by a 3,300-pound car doing uh, over 190 miles an hour. It it made that wall move. So uh, he was also very lucky, Ryan Blaney, but he's in the playoffs. Uh, finishing right behind him in 37th was Austin Sendrick, who was one of Roger Penske's other drivers, and he did not make the playoffs. So uh, I don't know how disappointing that was. He really He really hasn't done much since he won the Daytona 500 two years ago. And, you know, his daddy is, uh, uh, Austin Sendrick's dad is a big shot at Penske, you know, over uh, a lot of, prob- the general operations manager. I don't know if that's his title or not, but, you know, he's there at the IndyCar races and, and the stock car races and the uh, IMSA races. And Sendrick, uh, uh, Austin Sendrick's dad's all over the place. So, uh, anyway, that's the way the Cup uh Finished, and here is the standings. After, and and these are uh, this is the way they break down to start the playoffs because you get bonus points for finishing high. That's what those stage points are for. You get bonus points for wins, and so here are the standings as we go into the playoffs starting tomorrow night at day, at uh, Darlington. William Byron is the points leader, and actually he is tied with Martin Truex with 2,036 points. They give everybody in the playoffs 2,000 uh, uh, points to start with. So, But by virtue of uh, his top tens, Martin Truex was the uh, regular season points winner. So he got a nice trophy for that, too. I didn't realize he even gave a trophy for the regular season points leader uh, or winner. But William Byron is first technically tied with Martin Truex uh, for first, Denny Hamlin is third. He starts out 11 points back of those two. Fourth is Chris Boucher, who came from nowhere to win three races and moved all the way up to fourth in the standings. Fifth is Kyle Busch. Sixth is Kyle Larson. Seventh, Christopher Bell. Eighth, Ross Chastain. Ninth, with no wins, uh, is Brad Keselowski. Tenth, Tyler Reddick. Eleventh, Joey Logano. Twelfth, Joey Logano. Is that what I, I just said that. Twelfth is Ryan Blaney, sorry. Thirteenth, Michael McDowell. Fourteenth, Ricky Stenhouse. And the last two did not win a race yet, but they really need to win one now because when you win, you automatically transfer to the next uh, to the next round. And that would be Kevin Harvick in 15th and Bubba Wallace in 16th. Just missing out. 17th was Daniel Suarez, my man. 18th, Ty Gibbs. 19th. Alex Bowman, and 20th was Chase Elliott. A.J. Allmendinger finished 21st, and from what I read yesterday, Greg, it looks like uh, he may go back to Xfinity next year. I don't think he's, I don't think he's enjoying himself too much in Cup. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I did read that he's seriously considering going back to uh, Xfinity and giving up the Cup ride, and it had a list of people who might take his place. Yeah, probably a big list. I mean, 
NASCAR really got the, the point system. That we, I don't think they could really do it any better. I didn't like it, but now I kind of like it. Uh, well, it, it, we got to live with it, so we, we better like it. Well, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's like you mentioned a couple of people's names, you know, like uh, Al Larson, you know. You haven't heard much out of him lately. No, you haven't. But, you know, and some of these teams that, that, that you would think would just be wiping everybody out, and it's, it's kind of like it's their time to. Well, you know, Chris Buescher's taking up a lot of people's thunder. I mean, he's, he's oh. uh, winning three of the last five races. He's making a, a big splash. He is. Let me move on here before we the top of the hour. Um, of course, the next race, first race of the playoffs will be next week. Uh, next week. Tomorrow night at uh, the Cookout Southern 500. Just a historic race. Starts at 6 o'clock tomorrow night on USA. And... Uh, it's it, you know, if they have clear weather and everything, boy, when they go down that back stretch, they're looking straight into that sun. Greg, about two minutes. Uh, you went to Darlington. I don't know how many times over your whole life, even before being with Bud Moore's team. But was there something special about Darlington? Did it feel special as as opposed to uh, going anywhere else? It well, it certainly is very. It's got a very rich history. Uh, look at. Uh, over the years. Your since. daddy won five times. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you and your daddy. Yeah. Well anyway, I can't I can't I can't claim a, a Southern five hundred victory, but uh we you won a lot of the spring races. Yeah. I, I, I take some credit on that. But yep. uh it's us it's the track too tough the late they call it the Lady in Black. Track track too tough to tame. Uh you know uh, it lives up to that. It, it still lives up to it. And y'all ran your last race at Darlington, right? Right. Ran your last race with Ted Musgrave. And we're looking pretty good there for a while. What yeah. happened? A plug wire came off? Yeah. Yeah. We were down there with Ted, and, uh, uh, you know, we were in the process of selling the team, but we went ahead and went down there. 99? Or 98, 99? Uh, it was... Uh, 97. 97. 97. 97. And uh, he was really hauling the mail. Well... I know that when uh, when y'all locked the door at 400 uh, Fairview Avenue, I, I lost uh, a lot of interest in racing. And uh, it's taken a long time to, to come back because uh, there's nothing like having somebody to pull for each week. And for me, it was always Bud Moore from the time I was a little boy. I had other drivers I liked, but it was uh, whoever was driving for Bud Moore against the world. Yeah. And so... Uh, I know y'all uh, won the Southern 557, the first average speed of over 100 miles an hour, 60 on three wheels with Buck Baker, or three tires and a four wheels, yeah. and then... Uh, with the scoring dispute on top of that. And Daryl Derringer in the comments. So okay. we're going to take a break here and come back after the top of the hour and talk to Bill Blair. This is Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Visit our website at SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM, WSPG Spartanburg. New Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. We've done the calculations. We've crunched the numbers. Our morning math is simple. Uh-huh. 
two pros plus one Joe equals a butt-kicking combination. They're like emotionally unstable zombies. LeVar Arrington. Brady Quinn. Everything felt really itchy. FS1. To find FS1 on your television, go to foxsports.com for details. FS1. Football Week 1 is here coming up at noon Eastern time. A bunch of top 25 teams in action, including number two, Michigan. They host East. A few years back when we were ready to reopen the station, the water pipe burst, putting thousands of dollars of equipment in danger. That was one stressful evening, but one phone call to Thomas McGuire and PuroClean, the paramedics of property damage, and our stress disappeared. PuroClean rolled in, took charge, and rescued the station from severe water damage. Since then, I've used PuroClean at my house. You should do the same. Whether you're faced with fire and smoke damage, a flooding basement, or need carpet or upholstery cleaning, do what I do. And that's called 285-3530 for PuroClean. Providing for and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you're not there to do so. Many people are under the impression that establishing a will is the first and last step to estate planning. That's why developing a formal estate plan can be one of the most important things you'll ever do for them. A comprehensive estate plan can help you preserve and protect your wealth, control who receives your assets, and ensure that your wishes are carried out. Working with our estate planning experts, financial advisor Trent Lancaster in the Spartanburg office of Janie Montgomery Scott can help you prepare an estate plan. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs by calling 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282. Or visit TrentLancaster.com. Janie Montgomery Scott, LLC. Member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. Have you been in a car or motorcycle wreck or an accident involving an 18-wheeler? Have you been injured in a workplace accident? If any of these things happen to you, you need to call the Carolina Law Group today. The Carolina Law Group isn't afraid of the big insurance companies, and they will fight for you. Call today to speak with an attorney for a free consultation. In Spartanburg and Greer, call 757-5555. And in Greenville, call 312-4444. The Carolina Law Group attorneys are your local injury lawyers with four convenient locations to serve you in Spartanburg, Greenville, and Greer. Visit them online today at thecarolinalawgroup.com. It's 2023, and the Mark Hodge era at Spartanburg is running strong as the Vikings are once again a contender for the region and state title. This season, we'll hear a lot of new names on offense as the Vikings are led by junior quarterback T.J. Johnson. You'll recognize familiar names on defense, though, as senior safety Charles Woodruff and junior linebacker Cam Smith, who had over 125 tackles last season, are back once again. Catch Spartanburg Viking football presented by Chris Foster Heating and Air on Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM, SpartanburgSportsRadio.com, and the Fox Sports Spartanburg app. Gentlemen, start your ringtone. Live from our studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina, 
Fox Sports Spartanburg presents Start Your Engines. Here is your race team for today. Show producer Ronnie Black, author and veteran motorsports journalist Deb Williams, local action from winning car builder and owner Alan Hill, former NASCAR team manager and author Greg Moore. And here is your host for Start Your Engines, racing historian and author Perry Allen Wood. And welcome back to the second hour of Start Your Engines. And, boy, we've got a great Legends guest this morning, Greg. Bill Blair, who's a legend in his own right, but his father is genuinely a pioneer of stock car racing. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, D.L. Thank you. How are you doing, buddy? Very well today, and uh, glad to be with you. Looking forward to uh, talking about Mount Airy and early stock car racing, and just love to do this. Yep, we love to have you on the show because you're you're you you such a such a great piece of history, and especially your dad. And I was refreshing myself on your dad's uh, career, um, Bill Blair Senior. Of course, now he was in the first strictly stock race at Charlotte. He finished uh, he finished twelfth that day, and uh, that's uh, you don't get more historic than being in the first uh, strictly stock car race. No, you don't. And uh, I went with Mother, and he went over there early. He didn't qualify the car. It was from Kansas. Uh, ben McIntyre and Will, uh, Miller Clothier brought the cars from Kansas to Lincoln's, and they saw the ad about uh, the race being held in Charlotte in uh, the uh, Dick Tracy funny papers. <laughs> and so they came and really, they did. I know. And so they had the... Uh, Jim Roper, he was a local guy in Kansas, and he's going to drive the fastest one. They carried the Lincolns out to the crime out on Wilkeson Boulevard, and they gave Jim the, the fastest, and uh, they asked Bill France if he knew somebody to drive that car, other car, so France called my daddy and asked him, was he coming? And he said, well, yeah, everybody in high point's coming. And, uh, of course, Aunt France called my daddy first, said that Big Bill, was worried to death nobody's going to show up. And my daddy told her, said, you tell him that all the high point is coming to the race. And the reason he could say that was because high point at that time was a small town, and we had two milk trucks that delivered everybody in town. And, of course, he was selling a little bit of liquor, too. So he knew everybody in high point, and they all said it's coming. So anyway, uh, when Big Bill got on the phone after talking, my daddy talked to Ann and uh, my daddy reiterated that he didn't have to worry about this about a big crowd there. And I want to say this. Tyler Warren had just come aboard helping Bill France. Uh, Jack Cancer was his first photographer. And uh, my daddy introduced Taylor to Bill France back at uh, 47, 48 up at North Wilkesburg. But uh, he worked part-time for Bill France until Jack Cancer left. So Taylor made a picture up for Bill France. All these people coming across the back straightway, you open the big gate over and you come across to get to the infield. And the highway patrol told them it's going to have to go ahead and start that race. It's blocking the highway, Highway 29. There was no 85 back then. Right. And so they had to start the race. It had delayed it about an hour, but they had an estimated crowd about 19,000. He wasn't expecting seven or 8,000. And it was an experiment, according to the Charlotte Observer at that time. So he had Taylor to make a picture of that That focused on that people coming through that gate, mobs of them coming across the racetrack to the infield. And he told Taylor, he said that 
I want you to make a picture of that. I'm going to put it over my headboard at my bed, in my, my bedroom, and that's going to be the first thing I see when I get up in the morning. It's going to be the last thing I see when I go to bed. <laughs> that's what he told me. But anyway, uh, he told me Daddy, if he didn't have anything to drive, come on over and, and he could drive that car for Miller and Ice and uh, Miller Clothier and, and uh, Ben McIntyre. So uh, this, yeah, be glad to. So he, he showed up race day, and they'd been qualifying over, over all week. It was no procedure. You know, he didn't have the, all this format, uh, you know, ready to go at that time. It was just through the bridges when you qualify, when you practice, and it rained during the week, a lot of them never got to qualify. And that car started in the rear, of course, but uh, uh, they had inspection, and uh, that had become a problem after the race because Hubert Westland's car was was uh, there, and Hubert was going to drive it. And uh, it was an old liquor car. Hubert was famous for building, you know, fast cars and hauling moonshine. So uh, it had these uh, angle iron brackets made on off of the rear of the frame. When you loaded it with liquor, it was set down, these angle irons off the frame, or whether the frame was set down on top of the spring uh, shackles. And uh, it would go no further, so you couldn't tell the car was loaded with liquor. So that's where he was going to race that day, and it just so happened that Glenn Dunaway come walking through the pits, and he was under the car messing with it, and he come out from under there and saw Glenn asking me, was he driving anything? He said, no, nope. how about driving my car? Glenn accepted the invitation, so he said, yeah, he'll, he'll drive his car for him. But then we get back to the Lincoln. Bill started in the rear. I believe Bob Flock led the first five laps, and from then on, that little Lincoln that Bill was driving come to the front, and he led from the sixth lap to the 145th, 150th lap. Uh, this is a long time ago. I can't remember all of it, how it happened. So well, I got the results here. right here, and it says that your dad led 150 laps. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what he did. And uh, some of the cars were running hot that day. And uh, and so he had lapped the field. Depending on who you talk to. Some said two laps, some said four laps. But to make it look good, you'd say he lapped second place car four times. But in reality, I don't remember. But it was either two or four laps. I know Jim Pascal in the interview said that that car made him look bad that day. Yeah. Everybody else looked bad that day compared to that Lincoln. But he came in to get his case, and uh, they had gotten some of the papers from the Lincoln Mercury place to come over and help him in the pits. Because, see, the guy owned this Lincoln here, owned a Lincoln Mercury place out in Great Bend, Kansas. So, uh, anyway, they pouring gas in. I don't work in, believe it or not. That's how they done it back then. That's the most handy thing they had. So uh, one of them raised the hood and put a quart of oil in it. Thought they ought to do that, you know, put a quart of oil in it. And a bystander, he just walked up and merely reached over the shoulders of this guy pouring a quart of oil in it and took the radio cap off. And when it did, the water came up out of there under pressure and went up in the air and come back down on this guy. Just took the cap off and it scalded his arm, you know, shoulders. He had taken his t-shirt off. He just had, you know, didn't have a shirt on. And uh, he left the water out of it. So they knocked his back out of the way and got another one at the end that had water in poured water into the car. And it broke or cracked the thermostat housing on top of the cylinder head. And so it put him out of the race. And uh, the guy that owned the Lincoln told him, go ahead and drive till he quit. They said, you don't need to do that. It's going to mess up. And he said, well, I've got plenty of them. Don't worry about it. 
But anyway, it put him out of the race, and I guess he had probably, what, 40, 45 laps to go. Yeah. He still finished, still finished somewhere. He finished, eight, he finished 12th, according to what I'm looking at. Okay. Let, let me touch on a couple of other things, or we won't be able to, to cover all the ground I want to. Uh, sure. your, your dad won three uh, three Grand National races, and uh, he picked some pretty good places to win. Now, I don't know about the Vernon Fairgrounds in New York, but he won it at uh, Lakewood Speedway, which was a uh, dangerous, deadly, one-mile dirt dirt track in uh, Atlanta, and then he very, very famously won on the beach at Daytona, which, uh, uh, you know, that's that's really is, when you're talking his, historic places, uh, those two venues, Lakewood and Daytona, you, you don't get more historic than those. Really well, especially Daytona. I think everybody looks forward to going to Daytona in February, and, and uh, he got one of the Oldsmobiles that factory had put together, and they flew to Lansing, Michigan, and they picked him up at Willow Run Airport and carried him over to the factory, and and had the car gassed up and everything and gave him a few extra parts, the exhaust system that he was to put on. And he drove to High Point and changed clothes and loaded us up and we all drove the race car down to Baton and he won the race and Barney probably had a faster car, no doubt. Red Vault built it and Red had his way of doing stuff. But my daddy's qualified six, I think Bob Parker had another Oldsmobile factory Oldsmobile, it qualified on the pole. Of course, uh, Bob and Bonnie was arguing about who's going to lead the first lap. Well, uh, Bob come over and asked my daddy, Bob Pronger. He come over and asked my daddy uh, how far you can run into the north turn before you let up. They said, oh, you can drive it on in there. I said, don't worry about it. I said, the fans will slow you down. I said, you can just come in from the outside and cut it to the inside. You come in off the water, you know. I don't know if Bob understood that or not, but they went up the beach and... Uh, when uh, Bonnie and uh, Tim and some of them boys uh, led up my daddy, Bob shot out of that group of cars like a cannon, shot out of a uh, cannon, you know. And he went up over the bank and then into the air and rolled his car and mm. wrinkled it up, so to speak, you know. And <laughs> he didn't quite understand. <laughs> See, you didn't get to practice back then. Yeah. And to give you an example of what they did, some of those Yankees, uh, what they would do because they were not familiar with racing at Daytona on the beach, they went down the blacktop to the south turn and took a stop and a red handkerchief and, and tied that red handkerchief to the stop and drove it beside the track. That's blacktop going down the, the blacktop. Down A1A. There. Yeah, there was three or four nodes in that, so you couldn't you couldn't see it very far when you got going down the backstretch because those little nodes in it. And that, those uh, hikes just were to let them know when to let up. So my daddy and Jimmy Lou Allen, they went down there and pulled them up. <laughs> 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 yeah. Bill, Bill, can so I that's, you? Why you, that's why you saw a belly full of cars. That's what but, you call you know, some real ga- That's some real gamesmanship. Greg wants to ask you a question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, yeah. like okay. I say, there's so much history that, that, that you and your father have and the people that around him, but I do know, uh, especially... When uh, Perry was writing uh, the, the book on Bob Moore, uh, anytime he mentioned Bill Blair, Eddie always he, he lit up and smiled. Said he could drive the race, he could get it done. He was always up front and uh, had nothing but great things to say about it. I don't. I didn't know your daddy did so much moonshining. 
Oh, he, yeah. he, he, now, he didn't brew it, did he? He just drove it, right? He was a transporter? Yeah, he, he was a tripper. tripper. Uh, We're talking to Bill Blair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he got caught in 1932 with 125 gallons. They blocked the uh, Smith River Bridge, which is most people refer to it as the uh, Dan River. But they blocked it off with rope and had two revenues sitting there waiting on him. So he showed up. It was snowing right before Christmas. And they start shooting at him because he's turning around the road and running from him. And they start shooting at him. And, and uh, one that was chasing him, he spun his into the ditch. But they chased him back into Martinsville and shot his tires back out from under and put him in jail two days before Christmas. And they called his, he didn't have no bond money, you know. So they called his daddy and uh, told him, uh, asked his daddy, said, are you Mr. Blair? And he said, yes, sir, what can I do for you? He said, you got a son named William Ivy Blair? And he said, yes, sir, what is the problem? Well, we just caught your son up here in Martinsville, Virginia, with 125 gallons of non-taxpaid liquor, and he don't have no bail money. And so Mr. Blair thought a minute, he said, well, sir, let me tell you what you do. Now, Mr. Blair has started two churches there in High Point, North Carolina, and was a member of the uh, House of Representatives in Raleigh. So he's in the land business and had the big dairy farm and all, and he said, well, sir, let me tell you what you do. Me and you caught and you keep him and hung the phone up. <laughs> so the next day his mother sent up there with the oldest son Garland and got him out of jail it cost ten dollars to get him out of jail oh man and later he went he went back to the western district court which was Danville Virginia and uh, they charged him a hundred dollars and he was prepared to go to Chillicothe because generally with that much shine you got caught you went to spend a year and a day in Chillicothe or Atlanta but he got out on that deal and he told the judge that sir you can bet your bottom dollar this is my last run. You know, so today you can go to the liquor store here in the Carolinas and, and Florida, different places, and you can buy a moonshine called Flyer's last run. <laughs> it all started right there in 1932. Well, I, that's amazing. We're talking to Bill Blair, Jr., talking about his dad, but let's move up to, uh, I mean, we could we could do an hour with you easy, be no problem, but uh, we're going to have to move on here in a few minutes, but... Tell us about what Greg and I are in for next week if we when we go up to the Mount Airy to the Moonshine Festival. We're uh, really looking forward to that and seeing all you guys. Be glad to. One thing that Atlanta race Lakewood, he won at Oldsmobile. Had an autom- automatic transmission. That's the first car to win NASCAR. Directly start now cut with automatic transmission. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, but anyway, uh, next Saturday. That's uh, September the 9th, Mount Airy, Moonshine Racers Reunion. This will be the fourth annual. And let me tell you what's going on up there. The the town, the main street will be full of race cars. that will be parked on one side and at an angle, vintage race cars. We've, we've got confirmation of the 60 that's going to be there. And so there's wow. probably going to be 30 40 that will show up. So we'll have a lot of them. And then on, on the north end of town, uh, there's a lot there that uh, is paved, and uh, it'll have a big, big tent, the biggest they make. And under that tent, you'll find a hundred and some people, racers, uh, signed autographs. We'll have a lot of racers that's known. Bobby Allison hopefully will be there, and uh, he says he's coming. Dave Marcus, hopefully Harry Gant. But uh, many people like that will be there to sign autographs. Now, remember, this... This wall of fame up there, on the old post office, we have got a wall of fame. And there's a breezeway from Main Street 
down into the major parking lot there on the west side of Main Street. But you got to go right by this wall of fame. It's got planters on it, and the old big arts windows has been um, boards put up there and names of people on the wall of fame that we end up each year, it's 25 or 30. But uh, a lot of the old drivers we put on there, like the, you know, Tim Flock, Bob Flock, uh, Ed Samples, Dover Soulsby, people that, Greg, I know you know who they are. But uh, see, these people are never going to be recognized by NASCAR. And some of them we do put on there are recognized by NASCAR over at the Charlotte NASCAR Hall of Fame. But will Bonnie Flock ever be in there? I doubt it. Will Jim Passler ever be in there? I doubt it. But they're going to be on the Wall of Fame at Mount Airy. So we recognize it's dedicated to the early stock car racers. And uh, in addition to that, um, we have a parade that afternoon starts at 3 o'clock that goes out. It's Benji Race Car Parade. It's a four-mile parade out to the old Mount Airy Speedway. Uh, it was built in 1946, and it was closed in 1949 because the promoter ran off with the money. <laughs> <laughs> so that will take place at 3 o'clock, and uh, an estimated time to return to Mount Airy is four-mile trip on Highway 89. It's about 14 when we come back to town. But uh, we'll have, you know, you just come downtown and enjoy it. The wives can go to the antique malls there in Mount Airy. The stores will be open. And, uh, and then the guys can go talk to the early pioneers of stock car races, such as Greg Moore and Perry Wood, about early day, early day stock car racing. Well, I... And, uh, I, I can't wait to get up there, Bill. We're uh, we're getting up against a break here, and I I tell you what, it's great having you. We like I said, we could easily do an hour with you, but I can't wait to see you next week and to see all uh, all our old friends. I haven't, I don't think we've done anything, Greg, have we, since COVID? So uh, it's been two or three years since we attended anything. I know we were coming up there last year, but didn't because we thought it was going to rain. Which was a poor excuse, I guess. But uh, no, we're ready to go. I mean, it, yeah, it, it uh, had, but, had the whole kit and everything, and the Mustang. We're ready, loaded for bear. But, but Bill, we we appreciate you coming on the show. Can't wait to see you next week, and just keep preserving the history of the sport. And uh, we love you, and thank you for it. Well, thank y'all for calling. Remember, spray to the public. That's spray right. Public. Yep. But you can spend your money if you want to, because they got all kinds of food and bars and. And uh, memorabilia, and you're it's gonna a great place. and you're gonna meet a lot of famous people. It's a friendly place. Remember, Mount Airy, that's Mayberry. Yep. Andy Griffin, Barney, and all those guys. Uh, the old police cars are all still there, and they give tours. And uh, well, I'm bringing Otis with me. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing Otis Y'all with me. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank y'all very kindly. All right. That's uh, Bill Blair. You know, I hate to cut him off. But the first story he told took 10 minutes, you know, and I, I don't want to say, but I finally did say, you know, we, we got to move on or we're not going to cover any ground here. But, he, you know, Ronnie Thomas, who we'll see next week, does the same thing. He'll start talking and you don't give, end up getting but one story out of him when, you know, and it's, you know, he loves to tell. He gets wrapped up in it like I do. Oh, and it's I just, do too. it's great to talk about it. But, uh, it was great seeing him. I can't wait to get up there. I hope the weather's a little cooler and uh, and clear, and we have a great trip. And uh, remember, we're going to do the show next Sunday. I don't have a guest yet for Sunday because we're going to pick out somebody from at Mount Airy. Exactly and, right. And say, can you come on the show tomorrow? So let's take another break and come back, and I'm going to tell you a story of something that happened 
Oh, what is it? 76 years ago today on September the 2nd, 1946. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Start Your Engines will be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. You already know Palmetto Spirits is the place to go for wine, fine bourbons, and home bar essentials. But Palmetto Spirits is also the perfect place to pick up your favorite local craft brews like R.J. Rockers, crowd-pleasing Budweiser brands, and world-famous imports like Stella Artois, Modelo, and Corona. Whether you're in search of the ideal wine pairing or the ideal gift, Jim and the staff at Palmetto Spirits will get it in your hands. Palmetto Spirits, located at the corner of Reedville and Anderson Mill Roads. Spring is here, and so are the savings at Greer Nissan. Deals are in full bloom this month on all your favorite Nissan models, like a new 2023 Sentra or Frontier. Your choice, lease for only $199 a month, or hit the road in a new Nissan Rogue, lease for only $299 a month. Low prices, big selection, and committed to quality customer service. Come see us on Wade Hampton Boulevard, or shop online 24-7 at GreerNissan.com. Spartan Waste is putting trash in its place in Spartanburg County. Spartan Waste is your locally owned trash collection company keeping your community clean. Do your part by visiting spartan-waste.com to make sure your trash is picked up on time every time. And when we say Spartan Waste is locally owned, we mean the owners, Mark Nelson and Mark Mullen, are on the job every day, keeping the Spartanburg community where they work and live clean for their families and yours. Keep it clean with Spartan Waste. Make Phillips and Law and Fuel Chesney your source for propane in Spartanburg County. They offer propane for hot water heaters, cooking, and heat. They can fill your grill tank and get you ready for grilling season. Not only do they sell propane, but they sell a large variety of propane accessories such as grill tanks and other appliances that run on propane. If your propane tank is running low, call and we'll have it filled within one business day. Call them at 864-461-8511. That's Phillips and Law and Fuel, located at 421 South Alabama Avenue in Chesney. It's 2023, and the Mark Hodge era at Spartanburg is running strong as the Vikings are once again a contender for the region and state title. This season, we'll hear a lot of new names on offense as the Vikings are led by junior quarterback T.J. Johnson. You'll recognize familiar names on defense, though, as senior safety Charles Woodruff and junior linebacker Cam Smith, who had over 125 tackles last season, are back once again. Catch Spartanburg Viking football presented by Chris Foster Heating and Air on Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM, SpartanburgSportsRadio.com, and the Fox Sports Spartanburg app. Image Printing is the only shop in the upstate that prints signage, decals, banners, t-shirts, wide format printing, full color paper printing, and offers graphic design services all in-house. And now Image Printing is offering custom t-shirts with no minimum quantity. That's right. Image Printing now offers direct-to-garment printing, which means you can get your design printed on a t-shirt whether you want one or 1,000. Visit Image Printing at 845 California Ave across the street from the Spartanburg County Detention Center. Call 864-583-8848. And welcome back to Start Your Engines. And Greg, I'm going to do what I did uh, on... July 29th when I told a story of something that happened in 1951 on that date. This one happened on Labor Day, September 2nd, 1946. 
which if my math is correct, that 76 years ago today. You're correct, Perry. Happened in, at Lakewood Speedway, which we've talked about a couple of times already this morning. Bill Blair Sr. won a race there. And this was an IndyCar race, and it was a, a, a AAA, Automobile Association of America, sponsored the race or sanctioned the nice. race. Yeah. And um, it was a big deal. It was uh, put on by Sam Nunes, who was one of the big promoters back in that day, and it was a 100-mile, 100 100-lap 100 IndyCar race on the dirt at Lakewood. It only had 11 cars show up. But you had like 19,000 people in the grandstand. The place was packed. Uh, they loved their racing down there. And it also had, by a special arrangement, George Robson. Robson or Robson uh, had won the Indianapolis 500 that year, the first year after, uh, you know, the first year back from World War II. And he was there, and um, George was uh, a, like a, a special entry. They, was, they were very lucky to have him show up. Like I said, there's only 11 cars in the race. And he was driving the uh, the car that won the 1938 Indianapolis 500, which uh, was won by Floyd Roberts. He also, Floyd Roberts, died in the car leading the race in 1939. As, as I've said, you know, back in those days, a, a car kept on racing forever. And it didn't matter if somebody got killed in it. They just Fixed it up, washed it off, and, and somebody else climbed in there. And this this particular car uh, had already uh, killed the, the Indianapolis 500 winner from 1938 and 39. Another driver who was big at Indianapolis was a George Barringer. George was driving the car that won the 1937 Indianapolis 500 with uh, Wilbur Shaw. Wilbur called it his pay car because it, it did so well. But, you know, it was built in '36. When uh, it would have won that race, probably if the uh, the rivets on the hood hadn't come up, and uh, he was losing the hood, so he won it in '37, and it finished second in '38, and it was still racing in 1946. And uh, George was driving it, and then Ted Horn, who had an amazing record at Indianapolis without ever winning it, he was driving the car that won the 1941 Indianapolis 500. That's unreal, Stan. Yep, and uh, it was. Uh, I told you the story about uh, July 29th, 1951. Walt uh, Brown was one of the drivers killed that day, one of three drivers killed that day, and he was killed at Williams Grove in this car, which was, uh, we're talking five more years later after the story I'm getting ready to tell you. So we've got those three drivers plus um, eight others in this race, and it was at uh, Lakewood Speedway, as I said, in uh, Atlanta. It was so dusty. I mean, it was dusty. You couldn't see, and dust had always been a problem on this mile track. And um, one particular driver by the name of Earl DeVore had an orange car, and uh, it was specifically called Halloween Orange. And I tell you what, you can't see an orange car too well with all that red dust flying around. So the race got underway, and they raced, uh, and they got uh, the, the dust was so bad um, this car came in the pits that Earl DeVore was driving, the orange car on the in the red, dusty track, and had some sort of engine problems, but his mechanic or his car owner told Earl to get back out there and just drive around on the inside real slow, you know, do all you can do, and, and we'll get some money out of this thing and finish the race. So that's what Earl DeVore went out there to do. Well, with two laps to go on the 98th lap, 
He's creeping down the backstretch, and the lead pack is coming up on him. Oh, no. Or some faster cars. First, George Robson hits him and um, or, or sees him too late and swerves to his right and hits um, uh, George Barringer, who was right beside him, just driving uh, Wilbur Shaw's 1937 winning car. Those two cars crash in the dust and everything and start flipping, and um, Earl DeVore's car flips and goes lands upside down in a like, almost like a cesspool, like a drainage ditch on the side of the track, and he's underneath the car underwater, and a bunch of fans have to run over there and save his life and get him out from under the car. George Robson, the, the most recent Indy 500 winner, his car um, flips, and George gets out. I mean, uh, yeah, George gets out, and... Um, immediately gets hit by another car that couldn't see in the dust and unfortunately two or three other cars run over him and um, he was killed right there on the spot the other car george barringer uh and uh wilbur shaw's 1937 winning car he uh at indianapolis i mean he um he flips over several times and is thrown out of his car and he is, is really broken up badly and they transported him to the hospital where he passed away. Mm. Now, while all of this is going on, Ted Horn's winning the race in the 1941 winning car, and he sort of eases into the crash. I mean, he had slowed down enough he could see something was going on, but he still made contact, pretty decent contact, with Behringer's car. But the officials stopped the race and uh, declared Ted Horn the winner. And so uh, you've got the... uh, just a horrible scene there. Now, if you go to YouTube and look this up, there's films of it. There's not films of the actual crash because it's so dusty. It's not funny. But there are pictures of the cars strewn all over the track. The picture of them load. I mean, uh, this is footage, movie footage, of putting uh, George Barringer into the ambulance, and you can tell he's pretty much lifeless. He, and, uh, and then the car that he was driving... The Wilbur Shaw pay car from 1937, um, it lived 12 more, uh, it, it lived uh, eight more years. And in 1949, it was still running at Indianapolis and took another life. Took the life of George Metzler on a practice lap. Yeah. A practice. So, uh, I mean, these cars had so many lives, and the drivers only had one, but the cars, you know, uh, the. The car of, um, of of Robson killed Robson and the 1939, uh, 38 Indianapolis 500 winner, Floyd Roberts. Uh, Barringer's car that Wilbur Shaw had, it killed Barringer at Atlanta and then George Metzler at Indianapolis. And then uh, the car that Ted Horn was driving killed Walt Brown uh, five years later in um, uh, Williams Grove, Pennsylvania. So... It was just a different world. I mean, these cars lived forever, but the drivers didn't. And that happened 76 years ago today in Atlanta. That is incredible. Perry, I tell you, it, 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 let's show, goes to show, uh, you know, we had, we had emerged victorious in World War II and lost a whole bunch of lives were lost. And, you know, they didn't produce automobiles for a while. You nope. know? And, and, and the race cars, I, I can see why they had 19,000 people there. You had the stars 
of the show. Yep. From Indy and everything there. And I'll tell you one other thing. Here's the postscript to this whole thing. It was not realized at the time when they uh, declared Ted Horn the winner that the AAA had a rule that if you were involved in an accident, you can't win the race. So they took the win away from him a a week later and uh, gave it to Barringer, who'd been killed in the wreck. Which makes no sense at all because uh, he was involved in an accident as well. But they took it away from Ted Horn. And uh, it's just uh, it's just crazy the way they did things back then. Now that car, both of the 1941 winner and the 1938 uh, 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 winner, those cars are made were made by Curly Wetteroff, and are both in the museum at Indianapolis. But they may be only uh, like maybe a a fraction of the actual car because those cars were destroyed and uh Wilbur Shaw's car they're not sure whatever happened to it the the car that Barringer was killed in so uh I just thought you might find that interesting I I've seriously considered writing a book uh, I haven't written one in a while since the Neil Castle's book but it's fascinating how these cars The car didn't kill the driver. The driver was killed in the cars. And I, I don't mean, and I'm sensitive to this with you, Greg, because I realize y'all lost two drivers. Yeah. But how they built them, and and, and it was uh, thought nothing about racing the car again. I, th- there are tons of examples of cars that were involved in fatal crack-ups that came back and raced again. And every single one of them that I can find, and there's literally dozens of them, and I, that's why I want to write a book about it. Um, but not a single stock car. I can't find a record of a single stock car that was rebuilt after somebody passed away in it. There has to be one, I mean, somewhere, but they're so prolific and so easy to find with indie cars, but not with stock cars. And I don't, I, I just, I don't understand it, but it's, you know, until... Somebody tells me one or, or whatever uh, tells me about one. I, I it's it's uh, it just seems to be specific for open wheel cars, and I just find it fascinating. And it's sort of like Bill Blair was saying just now, uh, honoring these people like Gober, Sosby, and Ed Samples and these pioneers. You know, these guys passed away, and and I'm not putting them on a wall of fame or anything like that. But I'm just I'm trying to not let their names just pass away into history to no. where nobody knows about it. This, uh, there's a lot on the Internet about this particular accident. If you go to the georgiaracinghistory.com, um, they've even got that same footage I was talking about, and a lot of the material I just used uh, came from that website. So uh, it's, uh, to me, it's just fascinating. And, and, you know, we love history on this show. And I'm you trying to turn you back on history. Well, I'm just trying to pass some of it along so you'll know. Uh, so you'll know some things maybe you, you uh, are so fantastic you can't believe it, you yeah. know you couldn't you couldn't write this stuff you know you couldn't make it up. Yeah, I but, mean it, it, it's, it's sad stories, it, but it, it's good stories. The sad stories, but you know I, I'm trying to keep them alive. And you know if, if you've seen Smokey and the Bandit, which I guess everybody has, the last scene of that movie, and well actually several scenes throughout the movie um, were filmed at Lakewood Speedway. 
because it was still an active track until 1979, and I guess Smokey and the Bandit was, what, 77, 76 in there. But um, uh, Smokey and the Bandit with Jackie Gleason and Burt Reynolds and everybody was... uh, Sally Field. Sally Field right there at at Lakewood Speedway. So, uh, you know, that's one place, you know, I like to go around and look at old racetracks. In fact, I wrote a book about it. But... uh, I've never been to Lakewood, and the grandstand's still there, and maybe a little bit of the track. And the article I just uh, took a lot of that information from says that we're the spot where George uh, Berenger and um, George Robson were killed is, is now underneath the parking lot. So, but anyway, it was a, the Southern States. Uh, I mean, it was a, the fairgrounds there in Atlanta, and I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, sad story, but true story. And 76 years ago today, that's why I told it today. So, anyway, let's take a break and come back and do the last segment. I got a whole bunch of stuff to cover here. And uh, get this uh, put away for the weekend and get ready to watch some football. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartan. Spring is here, and so are the savings at Career Nissan. Deals are in full bloom this month on all your favorite Nissan models, like a new 2023 Sentra or Frontier. Your choice, lease for only $1.99 a month, or hit the road in a new Nissan Road. Lease for only $2.99 a month. Low prices, big selection, and committed to quality customer service. Come see us on Wade Hampton Boulevard, or shop online 24-7 at rearnissan.com. Business owners, have product or material you need moved, shipped, stored? Upstate Logistics in Spartanburg has the expertise in transportation and warehousing you're looking for in Spartanburg County and beyond. For over a decade, Upstate Logistics has provided businesses with storage and logistics services, including inbound and outbound rail shipments. Upstate Logistics, proud to be a part of our community, serving Spartanburg County and beyond since 2005. Upstate Logistics, keeping your business and inventory moving forward. To find out more, visit UpstateLogistics.com. That's UpstateLogistics.com. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. Providing for and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you're not there to do so. Many people are under the impression that establishing a will is the first and last step to estate planning. That's why developing a formal estate plan can be one of the most important things you'll ever do for them. A comprehensive estate plan can help you preserve and protect your wealth, control who receives your assets, and ensure that your wishes are carried out. Working with our estate planning experts, financial advisor Trent Lancaster in the Spartanburg office of Janney Montgomery Scott can help you prepare an estate plan. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs by calling 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282. Or visit TrentLancaster.com. Jenny Montgomery Scott, LLC. Member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. 
Country Meat Center in Woodruff is well known for our great cuts of beef, pork, and chicken. But we're so much more than just a great butcher shop. We also offer locally grown produce, delicious cakes and pies, a fully stocked deli with boar's head meats and cheeses, seafood brought in fresh from Charleston, as well as a great selection of wild game like bison, ostrich, and kangaroo for the adventurous home chef. We are locally owned and operated and will be happy to fill all your grocery needs. Shop local at the Country Meat Center located at 10297 Highway 221, open 830 to 7, Monday through Saturday. Find an old 35mm film camera? Are you using one now? Do you want to? Where do you go to get your film developed? Spartan Photo Center, the last full-service camera store in South Carolina. They have all sorts of new and used cameras, digital and film. Remember film? They develop 35mm and 120-sized color negative film three times a week. Black and white every couple of weeks. Get your film developed, scanned, printed, or cloud delivered to you by Google Drive or Dropbox. Need film? They've got film. 35mm, color and black and white. Spartan Photo Center, 108 Garner Road, just off North Pine Street, across from the Food Lion. Spartanburg's radio home for Gamecock football. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM, WSBG Spartanburg. Finding something delicious to match my mood can be a challenge, but McDonald's kills it every single time. Like when I need something with a little oomph, that's when I reach for a classic and melty McDouble. When I want something with a little oomph, that's when I go for a crispy and juicy McChicken. And with Mix and Match, I can get two faves for just $3.49, like a McDouble with a McChicken or small fries. And now, my mood calls for a little oomph and mmm. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome back to the last segment of Start Your Engines on a beautiful Saturday morning. I want to thank Lanny McKinney for all he does for us. He uh, maintains the Budmore Engineering website, our website for Start Your Engines, and uh, uh, puts out our podcast every week and does a great job on all that stuff and just generally has our backs and uh, behind the scenes makes us look better than we probably really are, Greg. i tell you what, Lanny does a heck of a job. I mean... It's just incredible, and uh, you can't—I can't thank him enough. The way he does things, and he's level-headed, and he does—he does it, and he loves the sport. Not to be confused with us that aren't very level-headed sometimes. No, yeah, we, especially me. But uh, yeah, I'd like to thank, and I'd also like to thank you know the Delaney's, uh, all all the different people, and uh, I do want to thank my wife, uh, Roberta, and uh, she's. She's got some issues health-wise, which we all do. But uh, I've been thinking about her, and it, it no big deal. It just takes time. Uh, I, I wish we could get my brother Daryl. Good good luck with that one. Uh, he just ain't gonna do it. <laughs> I mean, he he'll tell me what to say, and he'd know, be he, a great one. Like I say, if I just if I just get him to talk, Daryl. Call in right now. <laughs> well, that would be a that would be a minor miracle, but yeah, we're, oh, we got to thank Larry Simulator, Larry Burrell. Well, I, I, I wanted to just say that we're all thinking about you, Roberta, and hope you get well soon. Let's move on now to talk about something that didn't turn out too good last week, and that was the Xfinity race for Jeremy Clements. Uh, they ran the uh, the Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola last week at Daytona, which Jeremy won last year. Well, he qualified 32nd this year. And I said, well, that's not too good. 
because there's only like uh, 36 or 37 cars in the race. No, 38 cars, but he qualified 32nd. But I'm going to tell you what. At the end of the first segment where he ended up, ended up finishing 8th in the first stage, they call it. Uh, I don't know why I say segment all the time. The first stage. Um, and actually, I think for just a brief second or two there before the stage was over, might have gotten as high as fifth. But that's 32nd to 8th for sure in 20 laps. Uh, and then the, the stage, I think, was a uh, might have been 30 laps. I, I don't remember how long the stage was, but... He had to pass two or three cars a lap to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was flying and We've looking really good. Time and time again. He was really looking good, but um, he dropped back for the next stage, and it looked like he was go- doing what he did last year, just going to hang around, let the, let all the crashes take place. They had a huge crash that developed right beside him. I mean, they were uh, there were the two cars, the one like just ahead of him to the right, and the one behind it, behind that car, they got together, and Jeremy just motored on the way. I mean, it was like uh, that was close. Yeah, it was like he was in the the some protective cylinder or cone, invisible cone or something. And um, they had a couple of more wrecks as the night went on, but finally, in the last segment, and the race was a hundred laps long. Well, on the hundred and fourth lap, which means they were in overtime. He finally got caught up in one that there was no way he was going to avoid, and he um, tore his car up pretty badly and ended up finishing 26, which is not at all indicative of how he ran. He looked to me like he was doing the same thing he did last year when he won, just biding his time and letting everybody take each other out. But unfortunately, he got taken out in the process, and the winner of the race was Justin Allgaier. And um, Sheldon Creed finished second. Daniel Hemrick was third. Parker Klingerman fourth who was in a big battle with uh, Riley Herbst for the last playoff spot. Riley had a lot of problems early, and uh, really he's behind the eight ball now because they've just got two races to go to uh, to make the playoffs. But Parker Klingerman, who he's fighting it out with, was fourth. Cole Custer was fifth. Ryan Siege was sixth. Seventh was Parker Retzlaff. Eighth, Anthony Alfredo. Ninth, Gary Galding. And tenth, Justin Haley. As I said, Jeremy finished uh, 26, and um, but he did finish eighth in the first stage. He was running good. He was running good. Um, Xfinity points, and they've got two races to go. So uh, today at 3:30 at Darlington, Jeremy's got another crack at it. And you know when he drove the Earnhardt paint job car two years ago at, or last year at Darlington, he was running third or fourth coming off the fourth turn of the last lap and got taken out. So. Uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll have a good run, and, and boy, it'd be great if he won it. Oh man, it'd be it's fantastic! Make, Getting the make my day, make my week. We got two uh, two chances left. The points for Xfinity: John Hunter Nemechek with five wins is first. Second is Austin Hill with four wins. Third, Justin Allgaier with two wins. Fourth, Cole Custer with two. Fifth, Sam Mayer with two. And the next three guys have one win each. That's Chandler Smith six. Sammy Smith, 7th, Jeb Burton, 8th, and then uh, Josh Berry has no wins. He's ninth. Sheldon Creed is 10th, Daniel Henry, 11th, and Parker Klingerman is 12th. Riley Herbst is 13th, and he's 20 points behind now, so they flip-flopped. 
Um, it was Parker trying to get into the playoffs last week. This week uh, he's in, and Riley Herbst is out. Um, Brandon Jones doesn't have much of a chance. He's 14th. Jeremy's down uh, still 19th. He's 254 points back. Absolutely uh, disappointing year so far with, without even a top 10. So uh, he's got a win, and I can't, can do think, it. I can't think of a better place to start oh, than, than uh That'd be a, this that'd, afternoon at 3.30. That'd, that'd be a storyline for Spartanburg. Yeah, we we pull him. it for him. Yep. Come on, Jeremy. Uh, he's, the, the, the race is called the Sport Clips Haircuts VFW Help a Hero 200. Is that a big enough name for you? <laughs> I didn't like that sports clip deal. I kind of that kind of might scare me a little bit. Start talking about cutting hair. <laughs> Pretty obvious you hadn't been around a, a barber in a while. No, no, you go to the barber though, don't you? To trim it up sometimes. Boston yeah. told me he he asks about you every time I go in there for my semi annual visit. You're saying <laughs> I don't go much myself. I go once in the winter and once in the spring. I'm I'm getting pretty due here. All right, uh, trucks they. Uh, didn't run last week, and they will run next week. As Deb pointed out, the Kansas Lottery 200 will be at 9 o'clock on FS1, and that will be next Friday. Their point standings, and they're in the playoffs. Uh, Grant Enfinger's leading. Second is Ty Majeski. Third, Corey Heim. Fourth, Christian Eckes. Fifth, Carson Hosvar, who, by the way, is driving the 42 car that uh, Noah Cragson got kicked out of for being an idiot. Um Carson Hosefar is driving that car at Darlington. Sixth is Zane Smith. Seventh, Matt Crafton. Eighth, Nick Sanchez. Ninth, Ben Rhodes. And tenth, Matt B. D. Benedetto. I'm not sure if they drop two or three, but that will happen after uh, uh, next week, I think Deb said. So uh, they're into their playoffs. Going to Arca, they ran at the famous Milwaukee Mile last week. Um oldest racetrack, which was confirmed. They mentioned it on the telecast. I watched part of it. Uh, the Milwaukee Mile, built in 1903. It was a dirt track, of course. You've been there, had you, Perry? I've seen the track. I never saw a race there. But uh, it, it's the famous one. Anyway, they ran the uh, the Sprecher 150, whatever in the world a Sprecher is. William Solich won it. Jesse Love, who was running away with the point championship with about five or six wins so far, it was second. Third was Sean Hingorani. Don't know him very well. Fourth was Connor Jones. Fifth, Grant Enfinger. Sixth, Luke Fenhouse. Seventh, Andres Perez de Lara. Eighth, LeVar Scott. Ninth, Jake Finch. And tenth, Gus Dean. Their point standings is uh, Jesse Loves the point leader with eight wins. More than I thought. Second is Andres Perez de Lara. Third, Malcolm in the middle, Frankie Muniz. Fourth is Christian Rose. Fifth, John Garrett. Sixth, A.J. Moyer. Seventh, Brad Scott. Uh, Brad Smith. Uh, eighth, William Saulich. Ninth is Tony Breitinger, the Victoria's Secret model. And tenth is Jack Wood, no relation to me. The next race they run will be Sunday, Greg, on a dirt track. They run dirt, too. I mentioned last week that they ran it at a Springfield, Illinois. Ken Strader was even in the race. He finished sixth. But tomorrow, they will run on FS2 at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, the uh, Southern Illinois 100, and that's at DuCoin, Illinois, on the mild dirt track. I love that Arca still runs, uh, they got two dirt track races on real dirt tracks, not a 
not an asphalt or concrete track with dirt put on top of it. IMSA is off still, still until the, the 17th when they will run the Indy Road Course in the IMSA Battle on the Bricks. The points championship there is right now is being led by Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque. But hot on their heels, only 14 points out is Alexander Sims and Pipo Durrani and the Wheeling Engineering Cadillac. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to that coming up. We always pull for that. Uh, always. Indy cars. They ran uh, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500K last week, and it was boring. But Scott Dixon won, and he has now won a race in 19 straight years. It's amazing he's run that long. That's hard to believe. 19 years he's won one race at least. He's a good one. Uh, yes, he is. Second was Patricio O'Ward. Third, third David Malalukas. Fourth, Scott Rossi. Fifth, Scott McLaughlin. Sixth, Colton Herta. And seventh, the point leader, uh, um, Alex Pillow. Point standings for Indy. And they've only got two races left. Um, Alex Pillow is first. Second is Scott Dixon. Third, Indy winner, Joseph Newgarden, fourth, Patricio O'Ward, and fifth is Scott McLaughlin. They will run tomorrow on NBC at 3 o'clock in the Grand Prix of Portland on the road course up there. And like I said, they're coming down to it. Polo can be caught. He hasn't mathematically eliminated everybody else, but getting close. Formula One, talk about a yawner. Max Verstappen again, nine in a row. Again? Nine in a row and 13 out of uh, 11 out of 13, the other two were won by his teammate. They will run, uh, uh, well, let me back up. Verstappen was the winner, Alonso second, Gasly third. Won't even do the points because uh, Verstappen is so far out, it doesn't matter. But they run Monza. Um, uh, not the high banks, but uh, you can see them in the background. They run Monza at 8.55 tomorrow morning on ESPN, which I don't have anymore, so I don't have to worry about watching even the replay of it. Uh, so TV today, IndyCar practice is at noon on Peacock. Uh, cup qualifying is at 12:30 on USA from Darlington. The Xfinity race is at 3:30 at Darlington. That's on USA. IndyCar qualifying on Peacock from Portland at 3:30. The IndyCar practice at 8:15 tonight on Peacock. Of course, it's a three-hour time difference. Then tomorrow morning, as I said, at 8.55 on ESPN, the Formula One race from Monza. The IndyCar race is at 3.30 from Portland on NBC and Peacock. And the cookout Southern 500 will be at Darlington at 6 o'clock tomorrow night on USA. Got 50 seconds to spare, Greg. I got it all in. It was a great show. Appreciate uh, Bill Blair coming on and... Glad you showed up, Greg, so I didn't have to do this by myself. I know it. And, uh, oh, oh I, I, you know, like I say, I, I love doing this show. I love talking to the people. It's a great show. Uh, well, we'll, like go, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a road trip next week, and uh, we'll be on next Sunday morning. That's right. That's right. we got a real fun trip coming up, and I think people enjoy the gifts we get. Well, we'll get somebody. I have no idea who it'll be, but uh, look forward to seeing all of our old friends up there that we haven't seen in a while. And there's not as many as there used to be is the no, sad part. No, not as many, but, but there are some, some new ones coming in. I mean, some different ones coming in. Well, it but was, we'll be there. Yep, we'll be there. Might sell a book or two, and uh, who knows, but uh, looking forward to a... Yep. We are going to... Uh, 
see you next week on Sunday. We're coming, Natalie. The rest of you keep it between the fences. You've been listening to Start Your Engines. Tune in each Saturday morning at 10 during the season for the very latest in auto racing news, interviews, and guests from around the sport. To find out more or order Perry Allen Woods books on 